0: Well, we had a, a men's camp a, a few weeks ago, and, uh, and I got Justy to come and interview the guy who looks like Jesus. And, uh, and so we, I thought, you know, he was so brilliant on men's camp, I thought, I, I need you to hear this stuff about worship, because this honestly can completely change how you come into worship, the experience you have. And so he's gonna, I'm gonna ask him some questions about worship and then I'm gonna go into a bit of a preach and some somewhere before 5 p.m. we're gonna finish. Cool. <laughs> Justy, it is so good to have you up here and thank okay. you for talking to us as well as singing to us. Well, Doesn't he just, do you wanna give him a hand for just leading us in worship so well every week? <laughs> now buddy, people come in from different different kind of vibes like we see them they've had a, a fight with their wife on the way in and other people they come in during the second song because they don't like the first two and like everybody's coming in with a different vibe some just can't wait
1: for worship to start what are you trying to do in worship yeah good morning everyone um yeah to answer that question i think you know really as a, a worship team and um we kind of look at all ourselves as, as worship leaders but uh, we, we're really trying to gather people. That's kind of the, the first objective we want to do is to gather people around the name of Jesus, the celebration of God, the praise of, of His glory and His goodness and His faithfulness. And um, because, like Ross said, you know, there's, we recognize and we acknowledge that everyone walks into this building on a Sunday at very different levels. And that's a gift. Like, that is a gift to our, our church and our community because it... It means we're, we have disciples growing and changing and evolving in our space, which I love. But it also means our, our worshipers can shift and change and ebbs and flows with that. And so, so for me, really, I'm like, I, liked, I, I used to say this to the team, like, I'm leading for the person at the back. I'm sorry if you're sitting at the back. No, everyone's looking at you. Like there course. we go. <laughs> um, but I'm leading for the person at the back that's kind of arms crossed most of the time, just sussing us out, you know. Um, if anything, I want, I want them to have an encounter with God. Like that's, that's what it's about. The rest of you, Oaks in the front, you just draw, and I love that. <laughs> um, but really, that's what, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to gather people, wherever they are, whether they're a, a new believer or, or even unsaved and walking here for the first time, or they've been here for 10 years, and you know, from the moment we start with worship, hands are raised, and they're praying in tongues and doing the whole spiel. Um, we want to create a center, a, a worship time and um, an environment and an atmosphere that gathers the saints, that gathers everyone in that.
0: Then speak to announcing the presence of God because you have yeah. some thoughts on that. Yeah,
1: so I mean, I think it's, you know, I think we, we're coming to worship and I'm, I'm sure most people can identify with the feeling of how like sometimes the first song, you know, the energy and the band in that is really high. Like we come, we hit you like a ton of bricks. <laughs> And everyone's starting here, but then by like the fourth song, like 25 minutes in, we're, we're all kind of feeling like we're on the same page. And I guess that has a lot to say about how we as a team have been ministering, have been thinking, have been rehearsing these songs for the week prior. We've been like anticipating, preparing, getting our hearts ready for that. Whereas on a Sunday, everyone's kind of coming in now for the first time. They haven't done that. They haven't really allowed themselves to do that or practice that. Now, some of us do that naturally. Some of us have to learn to do that. And so we're not, we're not trying to do anything fancy other than announcing the presence of God like Roscoe said because we're two or more gathered on His name, He is there. And, and quite often people think we're calling on the presence of God or we're ushering it in. Like, I'm not Jesus. I don't get to, like, I don't bear that responsibility. That's on Him. But we're not doing that. We're announcing His presence. He is here. When we gather, He is here. And so we want that to be the starting point, which is why we often just sing songs in the beginning that are purely about God, to God, for God. Hmm. Like, they they have very little to do with us, but really it's just about us turning our hearts and our attention towards Him as we kind of come together.
0: Jesse, you've spoken before about, um, it's raining now, so it doesn't rain later. Uh, You've spoken about Thanksgiving, praise, and worship. Why don't you just define those and then talk about the journey?
1: Yeah, so some of you probably heard me talk about this. Um, but in terms of worship in the Psalms, we see kind of three, uh, I guess you could call, circles of environments for worship. And you've got your, in Psalm 100 or 101, it says, We enter his, his gates with thanksgiving. So think of that as your first step. Then his courts with praise, your, your step two. And then step three is we worship at his footstool. So really what you have there is three levels of intimacy, if you want to call it that. Um, Because when you're at the gate versus at the courts to footstool, I mean, footstool is here. It's face to face. It's close, 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 if you can picture that. And we have talked and thought about this quite a lot because I think it shapes and prepares us and equips us as worshipers on how to build a worshiping lifestyle, and here's why. Because Thanksgiving is being thankful for the acts of God, the things He's done in our lives, whether it's thank you, Lord, for my salvation, thank you, God, for healing that person, thank you, God, for this, this money deposited in my bank account, your financial provision. But then we can't stop there. We have to move closer, and I want you to understand how these things all link into getting us intimate and closer to God because from thanksgiving we have praise. And that's in his courts. And what praise is, is turning the thanksgiving from the acts of God, being thankful for what he's done, to giving him praise for who he is. And I find a lot of people don't quite know how to do that. And when you receive enough revelation, and you develop a lifestyle and a pattern of thanksgiving in your life, what you'll find is that the people that live the most free of money, are the people that have given thanks for God doing things here, here, here. And that has turned into a pattern of praise because now it's not a matter of just giving thanks for him. They know that that's who he is and that's what he does. That is the God we worship, full stop. And suddenly it's turned from a moment of thanksgiving into a revelation and now an I praise you God, I lift you up. And now from there, I talk about this worship at his footstool which is, which is, um, which is that intimate picture I was talking about at his feet. It's kind of a picture of a life laid down, a life surrendered. And really, that's what that is. And that's our goal, actually, every Sunday in our worship team, is yes, we wanna give him thanks, we wanna give him praise, we wanna tie the acts of what God is doing and has done to who he is. Consistently, we wanna do that. But the essence of worship is people giving their lives completely to him, people surrendering their hearts completely to him. And it's so crucial that we understand how those two things get us into a place of intimacy with Him because so often we walk in and our hearts are not in an attitude of thanksgiving. We walk in with the the wear and tear of the year or of the week or of that incident or of this person or this relational breakdown. We walk into worship with that. And so this idea of thanksgiving, is not just like, it's not simple. It's hard for us. It takes a lot sometimes. It's hard to be thankful. And that's why I say if we want to be equipped as worshippers, we have to understand how crucial these things, these things are because hands up if you desire 100% the most unfaltered intimacy with the Father every single day of your life. Okay. We've got to understand how crucial those first two things are if we want to get there because we cannot become intimate with the Father with unthankfulness, with greed, With those things in our hearts and i'm not saying this to like impose like a religious thing on you but we're habitual human beings we're designed to worship something and we're surrounded by options whether it's lust greed whatever it may be our hearts will turn to something because that's the way god's created us and so there's a spiritual war going on where we have to make this choice every day and what will happen is suddenly the choice of thanksgiving the choice of praise It becomes easier and easier and easier every time you make it in those hard moments. When you choose to do that, okay, God, this is tough, but I'm gonna thank you for this. God, I don't even know what to be thankful for, but I'm saved, so I'm gonna start there. What that does is it draws you into intimacy with the Father, and then he can start to shape you into the person he wants you to be.
0: Not just a pretty voice, eh? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's so good. I, I heard someone say that uh, worship is not a song offered, offered up, it's a life laid down. This process, thanksgiving, praise, worship, it's, it's, it's a constant process every day yeah. that works into you. Now Justy, you have, um, I guess used as a strong word, but you, you've almost used worship to get you out of very tough seasons
1: of your life. Speak to us about that journey. Yeah, so I mean, I think for myself personally, like I have. I I know it seems obvious because I'm the worship leader, but that's how I connect with the Father. That's my number one go-to. No matter what's happening, I'll grab an instrument or sit on the piano and I'll just sing or or pray or whatever. That that's just musically and spiritually how I just connect with God. And so, I guess the the thing about that is that no matter what happens in my life, that's the place that's gonna uh, receive a bit of attack or kind of be in a bit of turmoil when things are hard. And, and I wanna speak into a season of my life in the end of 2017 where I started to, from I guess six months of just a variety of, of pressure, of tough relationships in and around me, just some hope deferred that I was dealing with personally. I kind of found myself in a place of a lot of anxiety. And um, I think it was in November where I was lying in bed one night. It was a Saturday night before the Sunday. I was actually meant to preach with Ross that next day. And I just remember from like 9 p.m. lying in bed, just my thoughts just kind of ticking, ticking, thinking, thinking, and then by like 11 p.m., I just felt like I had like zero control. For those of you that have anxiety or struggle with this, you'll know what I'm talking about, but that then developed into a full-blown panic attack. I thought I was having a heart attack. (laughs) And I woke up my wife and I grabbed my phone and we didn't know what to do, so we just prayed and put on worship and it slowly subsided. But next week I was like ill and sick and all that. And I realized at that point that okay, like this was my breaking point. This is my body just telling me now, enough is enough. And that anxiety and those panic attacks carried on for a little bit, and it took me quite a while to accept it. Um, and eventually I took a, a bit of a sabbatical and I took a break, and I just want to emphasize the idea of rest, and how crucial that is in our lives. When our body is telling us to rest, we need to listen to it. And in that season of, of trying to rest and learning this idea of rest again, I had realized that I had made one fatal error is that in my worship, I have turned into a slave. And I've forgotten that I was a son. And here's what I want to say to this, is that what happens is, I talk about this pattern of thanksgiving praise, footstool. You take your circumstances into your worship. Understandably so. Like, we all do it, and it's it's right. Because God needs to shape the circumstances. The problem is, is if we forget that last part. And what happens is we come in, and we try to be thanksgiving, thank, thankful, and we try to let God shape it, but instead what's happening is we're so focused on what's going around us, and our inability to control what is going on, that we, we feel the disconnect happening in our worship. We feel the disconnect between myself and the Father. And instead of going from all the way to the footstool and being intimate with Him because I know I'm a son, when I get there, I'm, I'm begging and I'm pleading. And I'm losing my identity in the process because what should be happening is that in the moments where I used to feel overwhelmed and anxious, I used to go to God as a slave. I forgot who I was because I'd let the circumstances shape my worship to such an extent that that's how my worship became defined. I was trying with everything in me to worship myself through this thing. And it was... I don't know how to describe the moment when it all clicked, but I just really remember God ministering to me in a moment saying, you've forgotten who you are. And because you've forgotten who you are, you're not worshiping as the son I've designed you to worship as. You're worshiping as a slave. You're worshiping under bondage. And I want to set you free. And in that moment of hearing that, I realized that I still had a choice to make. Because every single day, we we have these choices. And my choice was to go, am I going to stop, pause, spend time with God, and complain? Because if I'm honest, that's what I was doing. I just wanted God to lift me up, remove me, drop me in a nice field somewhere in the Midlands, all on my own. That's all I wanted. When actually he was going, this time of worship, you need to stop, you need to rest, and you need to hear me speak over your life whether it was by reading scripture or singing a song over myself. But what I did is I removed what I needed to do in the process because I realized the only thing I was able to do is bring all my junk. And God was going, the junk's getting in the way, let me just speak to you. And suddenly I got back to that place of those footstool moments because I started to understand again who I was. And 15, 16 years later, I'm reminding myself of what it is to be saved. Because I'd forgotten how it was to be thankful, I'd remembered stopping and going, I've like forgotten how amazing my salvation is. Like, when last did you stop and go, God, I'm so grateful that you saved me. I am so grateful that I'm not going to be left to the pits of hell, but I'm going to be lifted up into heaven one day to be in your presence and glorify you day in and day out. And. Suddenly, those things started to come to light again. And I started to get reminded through that process of being close with the Father that that I was a son. And he was just telling me every single day, this is who you are, this is who you are, this is who you are. And as that happens, my thanksgiving got shaped again. And I started to remember who it was that I worship. And this pattern of health and worshiping through the circumstances got established again. And now, even today, if something happens or I'm going through something, whatever you want to call it, like I've learned to come back to what he did for me to make me a son. That for me is how he has shaped my worship now because that's what brought me back and that's what gave me faith to keep pressing through.
0: Thank you. will not you give Justy a hand? Thank you, brother. This flip chart. It's so ugly that it's deeply affecting my worship right now. <laughs> I want to take uh, what Justy said. Here's a present, sorry. Um, I want to take what Justy said and, and open it up a little bit. Uh, in the 15 minutes I got to preach a message. I have a life group. I started a life group uh, recently because, um, because I want to get the whole church into life groups. So I thought I'd try one out. It is such a joy. You have to get yourself a life group. But make sure they're as unchristian as my life group, and you will be sorted. It just becomes fun. It's awesome. So f- you need to get yourself in a life group next year. Otherwise, I'll put you in one, and you might find people you don't like. I started this, this life group, and, um, and anyway, I was talking about what they thought the word was, what they thought of the Bible. And uh, most people, uh, I love this group because they're very candid. They don't put on the Christianese stuff. They don't know it. So they just, just talk, and, uh, and so, uh, so they said, it's like it's like a history book, but with fables in it that you can take something out of, which I know none of you think like that about the Bible. And, uh, and so anyway, we were chatting it through, chatting it through, and I realized most Christians don't understand the power of the Word of God, and therefore they, don't, they aren't able to do what Justy was talking about, because I'm going to talk, talk to you about speaking out through your problems, getting, praising your way out of your problems. You can only do that if you believe that the word of God is living and active, that it's all, all scriptures breathed out by God, that you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding seed of the word of God. Here's what it's saying. This Bible, not that Bible, that Bible on my phone, that Bible is a powerhouse all to itself that's living. And therefore you need to know how to use it. What Jesse was speaking about, was he was speaking about the journey that we all go through. I remember when I became a Christian, and I've gone through this journey again and again, but when I became a Christian, all I wanted was a girlfriend. Looking at you single guys. All I wanted was a girlfriend. And and so I came to God going, God, give me a girlfriend, give me a girlfriend. Every single week, give me a girlfriend And, and no girlfriend, even though the... Lady singing was so pretty at that time, she just not interested in me, just no girlfriend, no girlfriend. Eventually God spoke to me and he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto, me, unto you. And what I realized 10 years later was that I was seeking first the girlfriend and trying to use God to get it, her, and I was, God was resisting me. He wasn't going to let me go there because if I'd gone there, I would have been a slave to the girlfriend. He wanted to be, me to be a son of his who could then have a girlfriend. Most people in their lives get enslaved to something. It's a, a dream, a hope, a relationship, a something. So I want to talk to you about how you get out of it because life and death is in the power of the tongue. If you've got your Bibles, 2 Chronicles 20 verse 3. Yo, I'm going to go fast. And Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast through all Judah. So he's just got word that three armies have come to take him out. They've come on the back road, and they're 25 miles away. This is a big problem. Three armies, one you can take out, three, you're in trouble. They're 25 miles away, which is a day's march, and they're coming on a back road, you're dead. So Jehoshaphat turns to God, and so Judah gathered together to ask from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations, power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you this is the appropriate response to problems in your life this is the problem this is who you are god to solve this problem it's appropriate this is called praise he is praising god for who he is in my weakness this is this has to become normal to us i have a problem with in business I ask you, God, for wisdom because you are wisdom itself. You you praise him for who he is, and you access something. In fact, I heard a story this week of a guy who'd um, he was at at Bosov's Church in in Bloemfontein, African gentleman, and uh, and he, he's given he's giving 400 million rand to building projects in CRC next year. That's his that's his thing. He did. 250, I think, this year, he's gonna give 400 million. And so, so my friend asked him, he says, how do you get to be so effective and so, how did you get ya, basically, is what he said. And this guy said to me, he said, I wake up every morning and I pursue the attributes of God. So he says, what does that mean? He says, so what I do is I wake up at four in the morning and I write down every single scripture about, say, God's generosity. And then I just worship him for his generosity. I praise him. I thank him. And whilst I'm doing that, he puts something of him into me and then I become it. 400 million. I wouldn't mind having 400 million to just like sow into something, huh? This is what's going on here. He goes from there. He says, our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. <clears throat> this is thanksgiving. So just, he spoke about praise. We've just talked, looked at praise and thanksgiving. Thanksgiving has to lead to praise. Okay, now let me try and explain it. Uh, I've used this story before, but I stumbled onto the power of thanksgiving and praise. I, um, I had a, a little 50cc motor, motorbike and went brrr, wherever I went. It was, it was so noisy that people would throw mud clogs out of their houses at me when I was riding past, and anyway, it was stolen. And in that moment, I, f- I knew in my spirit, I, d- I don't even know how to explain this, I just knew that I needed to go upstairs and I needed to start singing to God. I, wasn't, I hadn't been a Christian for that long, so I didn't understand all the nuances, so I went upstairs and I started praising God. The next week, I went to Varsity, and the varsity lecturer came up to me and he said to me, "Ross, I heard you lost your your motorbike. I heard it was stolen." So I said, "Yes, it was stolen." He said, "My son's got a 500 cc in the garage. Would you like to use it for the rest of the year?" I have never heard of a lecturer giving anyone anything. You <laughs> see, I stumbled onto it. Then what happened was a little while later, I got hijacked. The polo got started. So, you know what I did? I said, Come, my babe, we're going to worship, we're going to praise. And as we started to praise, I knew it's going to be okay. And everybody else who suffers from anxiety for the next X number of years because, because they don't know how to process what just happened because a gun got pointed at their head, they, they go into a nightmare. We praise God because God is the one who protects. And what happens is it breaks off the fear in your life and you start to live free again. See, there's power in your words and what you speak over your life and what you speak over circumstances can change everything. Jehoshaphat gets this and he starts to thank God. And then he says, they have lived in it in Israel and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity come upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. This is what he's doing. This is called proclamation. He is reminding God of what God promised. This is the most effective weapon you can use because God cannot lie. If God says something and you believe it and you remind him about what he said, then you're calling him to be true to himself. Proclamation. It's massively powerful. This is how you access the power of God in your life. You proclaim the scriptures of God over your life. You see, in Hebrews it says, Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. Jesus is the one who waits for us to speak the word of God so that he can get on board and help us achieve it. Yeah, you're not into this as much as I am. How many of you, I don't know, if I, I, I want to do a little engineering because if I can explain this analogy on this ugly flip chart. It looks like it's breaking. I will be able to break. I'll be able to explain something. Any surfers here? All five of you. Okay. This is how waves are formed. There are many waves. There are many ways that waves are formed, but wind blows over a stretch of water for an extended period of time, and you start to get swell. Swell is when water particles start to do this. And what happens as this water particle starts to do this and the wind keeps blowing and keeps blowing and keeps blowing over a stretch of water is that this gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then what happens is the water next to it starts to do this. And over time, what you have, the water doesn't actually move, it just goes up and down, up and down. But what you have is energy doing this. That is called a wave. So so if you want to see a wave, you grab a piece of string, and Justy grabs a piece of string, and you just go like this. If you go higher, the wave gets bigger. If the wind blows for longer, the wave gets bigger. Now, you can create waves in the spiritual. When you speak the word of God, when you're constantly praising and thanksgiving, what you're doing is you're creating spiritual waves in your life. Very, very important that you do this. I was at a a business breakfast that we'd organized for a bunch of church leaders uh, and and their key business guys to speak to the head of economic development in Durban and the head of um, uh, trade and industry from South Africa. And we we had this, this breakfast and there are not many times that I'm deeply embarrassed about Christians but I was deeply embarrassed of the about the christians because what i heard the different business guys doing and i'm just slating them i never do this but i am today because they were whining non-stop to the government instead of saying hey we've got problems how do we come on board and solve these problems together they were just whinging one after the next after the next and i wanted to crawl under the table until one lady got up and she rebuked them all and i went thank you lord You know what they were doing? They were speaking against the purposes of God in their lives. And as I was listening to them, I, I realized, People in South Africa especially have got so good at spotting the problem and speaking it out that they have learned how to bind themselves in the problem and be unusable by God because God is looking across the earth to find those whose hearts are fully His so that He can strengthen them to Chronicles 69. So that He can strengthen them, but if you keep speaking negative words left, right, and center, the problem, the problem, the problem, what you do is you create flat waves. You know when you see surfers in depression? It's because the wind blew this way, then it blew that way, then it blew this way, then it blew that way, then it blew this way, then it blew blew that way. You know what happens? No waves. That's when you see people like, yeah, there we go. It looks like that. It's hell. Some of us do that over our lives. Josephus, the next verse says this, verse 10. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. Our God, will you not judge them? Verse 12. For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. What is he doing? He's going, the problem's too big. Any of you facing a problem that's too big? Because we've got an economy with a problem that's too big. We've got a, we got a, a city with, with homeless people, who can't find jobs, and the problem's too big. Let me let me just encourage you a little bit. Most of your problems are too big. If you've got a marriage problem, it's too big. Here's why it's it's too big because you can't change your spouse. Some of you've been trying for years, still not working. <laughs> the problem's too big. You, You're in a safe, safe space when your problems are too big. But you need God to come through when your problems are too big. You need a wave to break. And the way the wave will break is if you speak it into being. You know, I want to say to to some of you, the beauty about being in a city with very big problems is that you can go and fight the problems outside of your doors you get to practice on other people's problems. Instead of some of us, we wake up when the problem's already in our house and it's a cancer problem. But we haven't prayed for anybody else to get healed and so we don't have faith when it gets to my door. Or it's a financial problem. But we haven't engaged in faith in another person's problem and so when it hits us, anxiety explodes in us. One of the gifts we have is a city with many problems that we get to proclaim and we get to act in faith over people in our city. It begins to set us free. He proclaims, and then it says, the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, the son of a lot of people, and he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Oh, who was here for in last week? Touch your neighbor and say, the battle is not yours but God's. There's just, just people going, no, I'm not doing that. I will not do that. I wasn't going to do it for him. I'm not doing it for you, Ross. There are so many battles that are not yours, if it involves changing someone, it's not your battle. You can't control anyone. You want to know your battle? Your battle is trying to control yourself. I've got, I've got a mate. He sends me screenshots of his Facebook page to try to get me into a battle that isn't mine because he knows I'm not on Facebook, but he wants to hook me into getting into a fight that he's already in. There are so many battles that are God's And your job is to speak scripture into the problem and praise God into the problem. And you will find that God will take care of the problem. This is what happens. This is why this text is so good. It says, early in the morning, they left the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you'll be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. As they went out to the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Amnon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. I don't know how many of you need God to set some ambushes against your problems but he praised his way into God, creating ambushes for his problems. Now friends, you're about to go into Christmas. So if you're having any family, you're going to have some problems. And you get to choose now how you're going to handle them. Because you can either whine with them, about them, to them, Or you can speak peace over them. You can thank God. For the, for the gift of self-control over you. You can thank God that his peace comes and that he is peace itself. He is the king of peace. He's the king of righteousness, and therefore righteousness and peace will reign in my life as I go into this mayhem that's gone on for the last 20 years and is like a family feud, and I'm gonna bless them and smile at them even as they curse each other with their eyes and smile with their lips. I'm gonna get involved and bring peace your life is called to bring the kingdom of God into it. You do it first in your thanksgiving and then your praise and then your worship and then you speak it over the people and the problems that you're going into and I want you this Christmas season to go in armed into our city into the situations into our problems and shift them if you're going to whine about them, don't do it in my vicinity. I will rebuke you. You know, friends, I, I, I want to end with this. I went to a bri the other day, and there were a couple of guys whining, and I've got lots of business friends, and the one businessman said to the other business guy, you better not whine whilst this are around, because he'll shout at you. And I thought to myself, At first I thought, oh, that's a bit hectic. And then I thought, thank you Jesus that I've created an ecosystem around me that doesn't put up with that crud. Thank you Jesus that you've graced me with a voice that keeps moving this thing positive, that can shift environments around me, that can so hold its own that when it's confronted by something that's partnering with darkness, it shifts it. I want you to be that. I wanted to end with praise, but I've gone on for too long, so I'm going to pray for you. Shall we stand? I want you to say this. Jesus, I don't want to be a whiner anymore. You, oakes, you need to say this. I don't want to be known for complaint I don't want to be known for criticism, but I want to be known for thanksgiving and praise. So use the words of my lips and the meditation of my heart to shift my environment in Jesus' name.